Our scripture reading this evening is taken from the second half of the Bible, and known within and among Christians as the New Testament, because here in the second half of the Bible, Jesus, the Christ of God, the Saviour of the world, is openly declared as one who has come. The first half of the Bible, it promises his coming and looks forward to his coming in the Old Testament. But now we're reading the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, page 1227. Page 1227 in the Church Bible. <clears throat> the John that writes here was one of the twelve disciples. Uh, the John that we were speaking to the children about this morning, of the James and John, the two brothers, <clears throat> the sons of a man called Zebedee, we're told. And John now is writing here, after Jesus returned to heaven, he's writing as one uh, who has been given special authority uh, to teach the church uh, with 11 others uh, who are called Together the Apostles. First John 4. Dear friends, <clears throat> do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. <clears throat> you, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, <clears throat> but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify 
that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. Well, let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray together. Almighty and eternal God, we have read here this evening how you are love. And that love that we read of here is expressed within the being of God, between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is something that has always been and will be part of your nature and your character. And we bless you, Lord God, for the manifestation of your love to this world, a world that has been broken and damaged and harmed uh, at a human level irreparably by the sin of Adam and Eve. And by our sin. Do Lord God we thank you. For your great act of love. Whereby in eternity. Knowing that the man you made. And the woman you made. Adam and Eve. And that you put in the sinless um, environment of the garden. Of Eden. Who existed in a perfect world. Knowing that they would sin, you purpose to send forth your Son. And, O oh God, we thank you that in the fullness of time Jesus came down from heaven. We thank you that 2,000 years ago he was born. He was born in Bethlehem in very unpromising circumstances, born among animals and led uh, in the trough of an animal for his bed. Lord God, we thank you for the condescension, the coming down, the humility of your Son um, in becoming our Saviour. And we thank you that he has manifested the love of God to this world. And we thank you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for his people. 
He did so in love. Lord God, help us this evening to grasp this great gift, this greatest gift ever given, the gift from heaven, the gift to this world, the gift that is stretched out to us and offered to us in Jesus, that we might know the love of God in him. Lord, give help uh, to uh, us this evening, preacher and people alike, as we come now to consider this theme together and open our minds and give understanding, but not only understanding in our minds, open our hearts and give us love for the Lord Jesus and love for you who sent him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this time of the year is the time when we give and receive gifts to a greater or lesser extent. And tomorrow is deemed to be Mega Monday. Mega Monday. I wonder if you're geared up for Mega Monday. Perhaps you're wondering what Mega Monday is. Well, it has been observed um, in recent years, from about 2005 or early 2000, early uh, decade of this century, that um, on this Monday, uh, after the last Friday in November, that internet shopping reaches its peak. Uh, and in preparation for the Christmas season. And so why is it called Mega Monday then? Well, uh, the theory goes that people get paid, usually, on the last Friday of the month. And so the first Monday after that, last Friday in November, is Mega Monday. And those who uh, are internet providers uh, are expecting that tomorrow uh, will be a day of massive sales once again. Uh, and um, uh, they are predicting uh, that uh, huge amounts of money will be spent. Uh, apparently, what happens is that over the weekend, this weekend, people go on the internet, they identify the gifts that they want to buy, and then they reckon that by the Monday, the money's in the bank, and so they get onto the internet uh, with their credit card, and they start uh, buying. For those of you who don't like to shop over the internet, uh, apparently the week ahead uh, will be one of the busiest shopping uh, weeks in the high streets uh, leading up uh, to the holiday season. The tradition of giving and receiving gifts at this time of the year dates back, of course, hundreds of years. And the practice of giving gifts is designed to remind us of the gift that God gave to the world in sending his son. That's how it all came about. Uh, people wanted to mark the fact that God gave the greatest gift. Uh, and of course, today, that aspect is often lost in much of the gift buying 
and the gift giving. And tonight I want to speak on 1 John chapter 4 verse 14, um, page 1227 in the Church Bible. And from uh, a little um, extract from that verse. 1 John 4 verse 14. The Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. The Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. And I want us, as we um, get bombarded in these next weeks uh, with advertisements and with giving of gifts and receiving of gifts, I want us to get our minds programmed not to what's going to happen um, one to the other or within our families or within our world, but what happened 2,000 years ago when God gave the greatest gift ever. That's our theme tonight. The greatest gift ever. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And as Christians, it is this gift that is to dominate our thinking, it's to dominate our speaking, it's to dominate our living uh, all the time. Not the things that happen uh, around us uh, in the world. Sometimes a child is asked, um, what was the best gift you received? Maybe we ask them that after their birthday. Or they get asked that uh, after um, Santa, so-called, has come. And often they find it hard to answer that question. Perhaps the child may appreciate every gift equally. Or on the other hand, they may be afraid of offending the person asking. If I don't say it was their gift, they'll perhaps be upset. Well, tonight we want to remind ourselves, Jesus Christ is the best gift ever. And to note why that is so. There are three reasons, and they're printed on the rear side of the order of service. The greatest gift ever. Why? Why can I say that? Why would I suggest that to you this evening? Well, first of all, because Jesus is a unique gift. Jesus is a unique gift. Some people, when it comes to choosing a gift, have that unusual knack um, of choosing something that's that little bit different. Uh, if you're at the Book and Craft Fair on Friday evening, uh, there was great attention um, by those who came uh, on the stand uh, that was run by Ken because he was a woodturner and the beautiful, beautiful pens that he was able to make uh, from turning wood. And we were just talking about that today over the lunch table and saying uh, uh, if you wanted to give a gift to someone that made it, there was something different. It's distinctive as opposed to going into the stationery shop and buying a parker or a paper mate that are all very much the same. And sometimes we receive a gift like that and we say, it's so beautiful, it's so unusual, I wish that I had seen that. I would have bought that for some of my friends. Well, the Apostle John wants us to have that sense of wow uh, and, um, and marvel at the gift 
the ultimate gift, the unique gift uh, that God has given. The Father has sent His Son. Uh, and He is unique because of who He is. The Son. The Son. The Father um, didn't send an angel. There were times when the Father did send angels to speak to people in the Old Testament. There was even a time when the Father spoke through a donkey to a man. Um, but here we're told that the Father has sent, the God has sent his Son. He sent of himself. That's the thing we need to note. He sent of himself. Now when you give gifts, either um, when someone's going away, or at a time of birthday, or at this time of the year, you give of your resources. Yes, you maybe spend a fiver, or twenty pounds, or fifty pounds. I don't imagine any of us here have spent a thousand pounds on a gift, but let's say you even went to that length. You've still only given of your resources. You haven't given of your own being. You haven't given of your own self. But that's what God has done. The Father has sent His Son. And this Son is equal with the Father. And this Son is, uh, has always been with the Father. He shares the glory of the Father and the power of the Father. And it is Him that the Father gives. And that's why we can say it's the greatest gift ever because Jesus Christ is a unique gift. He is very God Himself. But He's also a unique gift because of what he does. Of what he does. No matter. And I don't think I'm open to contradiction in this. If I am, come and tell me afterwards. No matter what you gift you give to someone else. Somebody else could give the same gift. You buy somebody a pen. And somebody else could buy a pen and give it. But there's something. Uh, and whatever uh, it will do the same thing. But you see, Jesus is a unique gift, not only because of who he is, but because of what he does. There is something that he does that no other gift, no other person, no other thing can do for us. And John is very specific here about this. He comes back to it again and again. What is the purpose of the Father in sending him? What is it that he's come to do? What is the problem that required the Son to come? John states, sent to be the Saviour. The Saviour. That's what it says in our text. And Saviour literally means rescuer. And so God has given of himself his son in order to rescue 
men and women. He came on a rescue mission. You and I, we need to be rescued from something. And that something, the scripture tells us, is our sin. The fact that we do not love God. The fact that we do not know God. The fact that we do not serve God of ourselves. The fact that we cannot reach God of ourselves. That's because of our sin. And we need to be rescued not only from our sin, but from its wages that are death. And from its punishment, which is hell. Being cut off in everlasting death from the goodness and the mercy that is found in God alone. So Jesus is a unique gift because he is of God himself and he saves from sin and death and judgment. The greatest gift ever. But then there's a second reason, is there not? Why he is and ever shall be the greatest gift ever. And we want to think now about how he is an undeserved gift. An undeserved gift. Do people naturally or normally give gifts to their enemies? Do you think um, the Jews, this Christmas or at any stage, will want Israel will want to give gifts to Syria or to the Arabs? Or what about the Taliban in Afghanistan? Will they club together to give gifts to the British soldiers? We're so delighted that you're here in the province of Helmand. You're helping us and we want to give you gifts. No, of course they won't. Because they're enemies. Sworn enemies. Intent upon the death of every British soldier that walks uh, the soil upon the soil of the land. Or we think of the real IRA. The paramilitaries to come a bit closer to home. Will they want to give gifts to prison officers and policemen and soldiers and individuals? No, they want to destroy them. Why? Because they're opposed. They're enemies. And let's bring it down to a very personal level. Think of someone that's not particularly nice to you. Somebody that sees you as their enemy. Do you expect to get a gift from them when it's your birthday? Do you give gifts to those that are your enemies? At the very nature and uh, the distinctive aspect about God's gift is that it is a gift for his enemies. It wasn't for his friends. It wasn't for those who, who accepted him. It was for his enemies. You see, our sin by nature and the sin that we have inherited uh, in our being right back from Adam and to Adam 
It makes us the sworn and avowed enemies of God. And by nature we want to shake our fists in the face of God. And we want to say, how dare you God? And our sin makes us hostile to God in our nature and our actions. We resent God, we disobey Him, we ignore Him, we insult Him, we offend Him. Paul puts it like this, uh, and Paul was another one of the great um, leaders in the church and gifted of God to write down Scripture. And here's how he put it in his letter to the church at Colossae. Before they were saved, he says, you were alienated from God and were enemies because of your evil deeds. Enemies because of your evil deeds. But what has God done? He has sent his son to be the saviour of his enemies. And so Jesus Christ is God's undeserved gift to the Colossians and to you and to me. There's nothing in those people in Colossae. There's nothing about us to merit receiving or God sending his son. Jesus did not deserve to be punished on the cross for sinners. He was absolutely innocent of all wrongdoing. But what did God do? God declared him guilty as he took the place of sinners. God held him guilty as he poured out his holy wrath, as he poured out hell on his son for the sin of people like you and me, for the sin of his enemies. Imagine that. His son, in whom he delights, and with whom he's well pleased. And God pours out his wrath on him for the sake and the salvation of his enemies. It is an undeserved gift. There is nothing in you or me that makes us worthy to have him. And it's only, we are only reconciled to him through his son. Paul put it like this, for when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Is Jesus Christ not the greatest gift ever? I hope that's rising more and more within your heart, that sense of that, because he's a unique gift. Who he is, God, what he does, salvation, and those for whom he does it, his enemies. Let's notice then, thirdly, he is a universal gift. Why is he the greatest gift ever? Because he's a gift that is universal. And that, again, I would uh, suggest is not true um, of any other gift. 
that we might give or receive. It's always for one or two people. Or maybe a gift is for your family. Or maybe sometimes people give a gift to the church. But it's always for, for a group. And so to whom has God given this unique and deserved gift of a son, a saviour? John answers in our text, The Father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. The saviour of the world. In other words, for people all over the earth, for people down through the ages, wasn't just for a little group of the Jews in Palestine, but for the world. And this is a distinct emphasis of this man, John. He writes uh, five of the 27 books that make up the New Testament. And it is his emphasis again and again in the gospel and in these letters and in the revelation that Jesus is the saviour of the world. Now we mustn't misunderstand that statement. Because John does not mean that every last person will be saved. That's not what he means by the world. He's not saying that all human beings will be in heaven. He is not teaching what sometimes we come across today in, in churches, which is universalism. That everybody's going to be saved and everybody's going to heaven. But what John is teaching is a universal gospel. That's the difference. In other words, a gospel, a saviour who is offered to all peoples and offered to every individual. And that's very significant for this man, John, because his background was that he was a Jew. And from his earliest days, it had been drilled into him. A bit like... Um, we would do with our children. You always wash your hands before you come to the meal table. Well, and John, one of the things that have been drilled into him is that God is the God of the Jews. The Jews. The Jews. We've been chosen right the way back from the time of Abraham. And we have had the scriptures. And we have had the sacraments of circumcision and the Passover. And we are the church. But you see, John has discovered something wonderful in the coming of Jesus. In the gift that God has now given. And yes, in the Old Testament, God worked primarily and his son was primarily the saviour of the Jews. But now John has come to understand that Jesus has come as the saviour of the world, of Gentiles too, of rich and poor, male and female, people in Northern Ireland, people in Russia, people in Africa, people in Asia, people in Australasia, right across the earth. No nation has priority any longer. All nations all peoples have the same opportunity. That's the sense in which Jesus 
is the saviour of the world. And so that means tonight that nobody can say, sitting in this church service, Jesus Christ wouldn't want to save me because I'm this or that or the other thing. He came to save people of all types and kinds and backgrounds, from all kinds of sins and situations. He is the Savior of the world. And that's why we can say tonight that he is the greatest gift ever. Yes, because of who he is, very God. Yes, because of what he does, the Savior from sin. Yes, he's the greatest gift ever because we don't deserve it. And we never could. And we never would. But he's the greatest gift ever also. Because Jesus Christ stands before every man and woman. Tonight in this room. And he says, I am the Savior. And he says, come to me. And he says, receive me. He says, repent. Turn away from who you are. And running your life your way. Turn away from your sins. Turn to me. And he says, believe in me. And he says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And he says, whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. And he says, to as many as receive me, I make them the sons of God. No one will be able to say on the day of judgment, God, there was something lacking, something missing in your salvation that you provided in Jesus Christ. It wasn't enough to include me. It wasn't enough to save me. You'll not be able to say that. And I'll not be able to say that. Why not? Because the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The greatest gift ever. Now when it comes to your family giving gifts either Christmas, birthday or whatever. What are you to do when somebody presents you with a gift? Do you stand there with your hands in your pockets and dig them down in deeper and Put on a face. No. I'm not taking that. So what do we do? There's a smile that comes in our face. And we think, you bought me a gift. And we reach out and we take it. And every individual, they respond in one of those two ways. To Christ. Either grit their teeth. 
dig their hands into their pockets and say, no, not for me. Or they reach out. They say, me? Lord Jesus, you came to save me. And they receive him. Which are you doing? With the Son that the Father has sent to be the Saviour of the world. The greatest gift ever. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our God and our Father in heaven, we marvel and we are astonished and we are humbled at this great love. This love that caused you to so love this world, to so love wicked, wicked sinful humanity, that you would send your unique Son, your only begotten Son, your eternal Son, that you would give of yourself in order to save sinners like us. We do not deserve such a gift. We bless you that you gave such a gift for your enemies. Not for friends, but for enemies, by nature and by deed. And we thank you, Lord God, that this gift of salvation in your Son, it's offered to all men. It's offered to the world. We pray, Lord God, tonight, for that gracious, sovereign work of your Spirit in our hearts, that will enable each one of us to delight either that we have in the past received this gift, or now reach out and take the one, the Christ, who is offered to us in the Gospel. In Jesus' name, Amen.